Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. The first episode of the year 2024. You know, get ready to start writing the year wrong whenever you have to write years on stuff. Which, like, I don't really have to do anymore. So I'll be okay, probably, unless I'm, like, writing a check, which even that I don't do very much. I'm here with Tectic and Nerd Bomber. I'm, of course, Elite Lady 6. We're back from our holiday break. So we should come across as fresher and more vibrant than we were before. So if we don't, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That was a weird way to ask for an Apple Podcast review, but... Just be like, you guys sound not fresh. You don't sound as zippy as you Sour. Let me ask you guys, I'm going to start... We have, so we have topics today. I can tell you briefly what they are. We're going to talk about Mickey Mouse because he's now in the public domain. Uh-huh. That's, like uh-huh. a, that's like a big thing that happened that everyone was like talking about. As it, I don't think it's Mickey Mouse per se. It's like Steamboat, it's Steamboat Willie, Willie. Mickey Mouse. It's just, yeah. like, it's it's not, not the same, not. but it's, it's the same. We'll, we'll have to get into this because I think there is some nuance is to important. it. But we're going to talk about that. Of co- we're recording this on January 1st, by the way, and already something has been announced that uses Steamboat Willie because it's now like public IP. We're going to talk about Xbox potentially re- revamping their achievement system, and we're going to talk about the Mandalorian because it's been a while. But before we talk about any of that stuff, have you guys ever broken a bone? Yeah. that's a, I, yes. I just don't know this about you guys, which is weird because we've been friends for so long and been doing a podcast for so long. I broke my first bone. Good for when? you. That's that's my update yeah this is, this is also fun because so we literally just back, saw you a couple days ago how did this happen i saw tactic and nerd bomber i had them over to my house two days ago for our like holiday festivities after all the family stuff died down and i was fine yeah his bone was no, fine. no no my bone was fine everything was good also i'm kind of overhyping this because spoiler alert i broke my toe or at least i think i broke my toe oh, toe's oh this firm. isn't confirmed Ugh. here's the thing and let's do yeah let's just get into this so first of all no no one should ever own pets because how it happened was i was carrying something and we have a pet gate so that our pet doesn't get through to this part of the house where the litter box is and he eats the, the dog will eat the litter mm. i know that's gross but that's what Delicious. happens and i i hit my toe on the pet gate obviously quite hard and you know how you stub your toe and you're like wow, wow. that's excruciatingly painful but it's gonna go away which toe yeah, that's also important important detail. My fourth toe. So one in from the pinky. Okay. So you're grabbing. Pretty unimportant toe. toe. Pretty unimportant. What? what? My grabbing toe? Pretty unimportant toe, all things considered. They say that the baby toe is like the most important toe you got. And then like big toe is probably second no, most I important. I thought the baby toe was the one that is expendable. Like people live with no. their baby toe. I thought yeah. it was. No, this, it, that's a myth. What you're saying is a myth. You yeah, can live without your pinky toe. I have broken a pinky toe and literally was told, hey, you're fine. Just don't put weight on it. It doesn't do a whole lot. Well, that's right. So I heard pinky toe is super important for balance. Maybe nah. you're right. Maybe that's a urban Someone, myth or something. We need a real-time fact checker on this. Right here. It's, it's a myth. Is the so, pinky toe important? I will Google this while you not. speak. I mean, every toe is important. Hashtag not all toes or i don't what 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 hashtag am i looking for hashtag toes are all loved or something i don't know anyways fourth toe not an important toe let me start by saying that however when you're walking around so okay so i stubbed my toe and i was like wow that that smarts and then i kind of continued my day and i sat down for a while to watch a football game because i'm an american so i wasn't like doing anything with the toe during that time obviously but it was still hurting so i also took off my sock to assess the toe and it looked it looked like a toe would it looked fine then i did a bunch of stuff I, I we went out for new year's eve because this is new year's eve this all happened we went out in the evening and like i was walking around and it was like this is like really hurting and i was like this hurts and I, that was the first time i was like maybe i broke my toe but then we got back i went to sleep i woke up this morning and again and looked at the toe because I'm, I'm not a sock sleeper it never have been and i would say we're in purple town it's purple which is not the color the toe should be so at this point I'm pretty sure I broke it, but the thing about toes, the thing about broken toes in particular, is that I could go to urgent care and they could be like, yeah, your toe's broken, or yeah, your toe's not broken. And I'm pretty sure the course of treatment wouldn't change because it's also, the toe's not like crooked or deformed in any way. It's just swollen and discolored. And like the area around the toe has also bruised. But they're just going to be like, yeah, you broke your toe. It probably hurts. That's life, kid. No, I think you, you just know? bruised it. You're being big baby. Uh, I don't know. I don't know there's there's an orthopedic really there's an orthopedic urgent care. So I actually broke my pinky toe. God, this was like during the heart of COVID, 
doing something really stupid. Is I just, that the bone you broke? No, that was not the only one. But I stubbed it real bad. I was running out of our bedroom and stubbed and caught just the pinky toe on the door frame. And it bent back. And then I continued because then we were going to play baseball. And so I continued to, Ooh, you, you played know, baseball on it? Ran on it because I didn't want to admit, Ooh. like, I thought I was just being a baby. And eventually did go to orthopedic urgent care for that. And they did recommend, like, a splint for it, I believe. And they said that because I had waited so long, because I, I, like, waited a decent amount of time and it was still, like, purple and gross. And then they said that the option was either to remove the toe no because it can't bend anymore um <laughs> to break the toe so it could heal again which i was like uh no yeah. or just let it heal and keep it immobile so at that point i was just like well but yeah there's like a little splint thingy they can do to set it so it doesn't you know heal poorly because right now i cannot bend that pinky toe anymore like you know how you, when you curl your toes that toe yeah, just yeah. sticks out so i mean when i when i look at the toe here's why i'm not super concerned first of all i do think it's entirely as much as I, i'm being very being very grabby about this and saying i broke my toe it's possible i didn't break my toe i do think i do think that i probably did but i don't know for sure the toe is perfectly straight if anything it looks straighter than the same toe on my other foot so like i don't think they need to like reduce it or anything so at this point i think it's probably just like don't run yeah hashtag well not hashtag just my workout plans for the new year along with every other person are like kind of ruined a little bit but you know at least i got a good reason i would recommend getting like a a toe splint because they do have things because that was what they eventually told me to do and I just bought mine off of Amazon because I didn't want to pay the exorbitant fees you get if you buy it at a doctor's office. But it basically mm-hmm. just like tapes it to your other toe, but they have them such that it's padded and it's Velcro. So you're not like actually taping your toe because that hurts. Yeah. So what it is, if I also I, I had to drive at one point today and driving hurts because it's my driving foot. It's my right foot. It's my dominant foot. If I raise, if I have to raise the toe for any reason. That's when bad stuff happens. And by bad stuff, I mean it really hurts. I would tape that bad boy to the toe next to it. Yeah, I probably will. I think we have tape around here somewhere. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. And again, it's like perfectly straight. It's just like swollen and purple and it hurts. And I managed to squeeze it in right before the the year rolled around. So that was part of my experience of 2023 is I I potentially broke a bone. I think it's probably like a hairline fracture. Like I didn't like, you know, shatter the toe. But I do think something probably happened like internally. But it's toe, you know, it's no big deal. So that's my salacious injury story. And uh, now we can get into the into the news, into the wild world of news. I want to start with this Mickey Mouse slash Steamboat Willie thing. So a while a while ago on this show, I actually think we've talked about a couple things on the show. I know I know Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was one of them. But there was another one I can't elude me at the moment where basically a beloved character is taken and rammed into a horror movie or in this case game experience and like they're all bloody and gory and spooky and it's like it's an interesting juxtaposition right because it's like a very happy character like winnie the pooh or mickey mouse steamboat willie era long story short there was a game announced today january 1st called infestation 88 we got a brief trailer for it the basic gist it's called infestation 88 because it takes place in the year 1988 you're in a warehouse it looks like you are a team of exterminators it's a one to four player survival horror co-op game you're fighting rats and I guess Steamboat Willie is like the rat king. That was kind of my takeaway from this. He looks the way you can imagine a horrorified Mickey Mouse would look. I don't know if this this is a, this is one of those games where like I think if this game first of all I think it's probably only a PC game so I, I would likely never play it. But if I was a PC gamer and this was like I don't know five bucks, no <laughs> five no five or ten dollars. This this genre of games annoys me because it 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 slaps indie developers straight across the face and the reason why this i say is an that, indie game i know just, just let me say this the reason why i say that is because i'm sure all of you have seen various horror games where they take shrek and put him and mod the game so that he's just the the scary thing walking around the shadows have you guys seen this yeah that's all this game is. This is just a reskin. And it doesn't like it looks like a reskin of generic horror game here. They didn't put any real work into the story. They just said, hey, we can get. Yeah, that's why I said $5. I wouldn't yeah, pay any more we, than $5 for it. But it's I, I can't stand that. I can't stand these like shameless money grabs that, that just aren't any good contributions to the arts. 
I don't know if I would say it's a shameless money. I mean, it is a shameless money grab, but like, I don't know if I would say that there's no unique portions of this game though. You're like a rat exterminator and then there's mega rat. So like there's, it's not just like you trying to avoid getting killed. But like even the mega rats are like they they made sure to make it look like Steamboat really well, and not yeah. this mutant rat. Like it would have been better if yeah, it was that's... just like a mutant rat. But that's the shtick uh, though. Like how many yeah. people are going to be playing rat exterminator game with large mutant rat? And why how many is people... why is one just randomly in overalls? Like <laughs> why? Because he's I, the protector I, I, of the rats. I understand your point, tactic. I do, but I do think that like that is the premise. That they, I mean, it, given the fact that Steamboat Willie just entered public domain today and they announced it today, clearly they've been thinking about doing this for a while. I will also say, I guarantee you, this is not the only thing we're going to hear about like today or like in the next week that's like, hey, Steamboat Willie does X thing that you would never think he would do. That's like kind of just unfortunately going to happen for a while. I would also like, I would couch this in the context of, again, let's say this thing costs $5. I agree it shouldn't cost much more than that. You could either see a bad movie for $10, which happens pretty much constantly, or you could play a game for $5 that, like, might be memorable and at the very least might just give you a chuckle. Like, I, I understand your the point you're making about the, like, sanctity of art and all that, but there are so many here's the thing: in this. It's $5 and encouraged to play with friends because it's going to be, it, it appears to me it's going to be like a The Last of Us. Or sorry, it's uh, gonna be yeah, like the Left for Dead formula, where yeah. which means that five dollar game is really twenty dollars in sales, right? Because you're gonna now encourage your friends to play, it. and that's why I circle back to it's just a shameless money grab, and I am very much against this. I don't know. I think there I is think a I place. Agree. There's a place for meme games, and this is a meme game, and I think that's funny. So I, I do think this game could do could do more based on the and again the trailer was very short but i think it could do more to lean into the memeness and like the absurdity of it I, meme I, the, games the, should and and should just remain dlc like you have the base horror game and it's like hey you can reskin your characters to be steamboat but that's really. a mod and a lot of mods are free so essentially i, I don't know i think this i don't know i don't agree with that necessarily i, just I don't agree i think this game should avoid taking itself too seriously but I do think again, if this comes out and it's like twenty dollars, it's like yeah, they're they're not on the right track. But if it's like a five dollar nothing, again, you mentioned like four friends, like it's twenty dollars. It's like again, okay, or you could go see a movie for forty dollars. God knows there's at least one bad movie out at all times. So like, I'm not gonna begrudge this. I'm not gonna give this too hard of a time, I guess. And I I, I do understand your point, but again, I would also say somewhat ominously that. I doubt this is the worst we're going to see of this phenomenon over the next few weeks. <laughs> this is one of the this is one of the bigger characters entering public domain in a long time, and people, you know, Disney now now more so than ever is like a pretty divisive company. So like, I think a lot of people may also project their feelings about Disney onto Steamboat Willie, sometimes fairly, sometimes not, and like we're going to see some weird stuff. And here's the thing, I and. and- Give me a little bit of credit because I'm at least I'm consistent. Even with Blood and Honey, right? I you're taking a beloved character, using it just for just shock value. I want to see people take these beloved characters from public domain and put something great. Like like why is it always some weird twisted version of it? Make it something like like honor well, them. I, I, so well, again, I think- well, I don't disagree with that. Like, can I? We should look. Did Blood and Honey? Did Blood and Honey, like, I'm pretty sure it did pretty well. And that, again, may be why this is it, happening. It got panned. Yeah, it had a bad Rotten Tomatoes score. And we know how I feel about Rotten Tomatoes, but, like, it had a pretty bad both audience and critic score. And I think it's on, is it on Hulu now? It's on one of, maybe it's on Peacock. I don't know. It's on a streaming service now, so you can watch it for free. Let me, let me, let me rephrase what I said, because it, what I more so meant was, yeah, and I'm on the Wikipedia now, straight from Wikipedia. This film received mostly negative reviews, but it was a success financially, which is all any company yeah, is going to care about. So, like, I, I, they might have seen this and thought, okay, we'll do the same thing with, you know, M- Mickey Mouse and, like, you know, make stacks on stacks. The only thing that I would ever look forward to with this bastardization of beloved characters is if there is ever in a distant future, let's say, a, a Mickey Mouse verse, right? where no different than the Spider-Verse, where there's all these Mickey Mouse, and then there's that thing. And the Mickey Mouse goes, ha ha, what the fuck is that? And then everyone looks at that, and then they, they just, and then they move on. That's, that's really what needs to happen. See, I think you, 
now that I'm kind of get, we're getting to the heart of your issues with it, I think you just don't like seeing beloved characters be you know bastardized or looked at in a different Subverted. light. And yeah. I love that. But so. I don't. It's specifically they can bastardize them, but they like it's. This looks so half-assed. Like they could have done something great, but it from what we saw. It literally makes no sense and just looks I like mean, a reskinning. From a marketing and money perspective, they're the first out the door. So even if yeah. it was half-assed, like I don't know when it was announced that Steamboat Willie or like when it became more popular knowledge that Steamboat Willie was going to hit public domain. But there is something to be said about being the first one out because now the next horror adaptation of Steamboat Willie that comes out like it's not going to do as well because it's going to be like okay well you're late to the party here this already happened you know what you know what i would have really liked if there was like you know how we're always talking about bank robbing games and things like that like that's the way to do it where like they happen to be wearing like a steamboat willy mask and like that's their whole like thing there's like cool right, ways so to do it you're talking about making a video game i challenge you and i know your first video game is going to be focused on like the online warrior side scroller stuff but make a payday style game with Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, and Steamboat Willie. Well, Piglet's not in public domain. I thought he was. Is he? Oh, you're right. It's Tigger I that is. didn't make it. Yeah. Piglet and Pooh did. Tigger is still owned. So if you want to see it and you have the skills, make it a reality tactic. Make it a reality. No, I'm, I'd rather just be old man yells at Cloud. I don't disagree with you. Like I won't argue that they could be doing a better job. But like Nerd Bomber said, they're first out the door. I think this will probably be a success in some respect. Again, it may be the same as Blood and Honey, where like it's not a critical success, but like it makes them the money that they wanted from it. Listen, I'm almost never the curmudgeon on this show. Just let me be that. Don't you? No, no, I'm, me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to stop you. I am. The public domain is weird too. Like I don't know. Like you asked, like how long they knew that Steamboat Willie was going to be public domain. Like I know that oftentimes it's like, all right, this character is going to be in the public domain like 50 years from now, and then like a countdown kind of starts. But like. I don't know if they can like re up the rights on like at the eleventh hour, so it's possible they that can. no one really knew until like today, literally, that like okay, it's just out now. So it is interesting to think that like potentially they were developing this game only for it to eventually, you know, d- d- come out that Steamboat Willie was not going to be in the public domain, and therefore their whole game was like crap. Well, no, or maybe that... they, maybe their fallback was okay. It's just a giant rat now. It's not Steamboat Willie. But that ties into why. I think it looks like just a skinning. I think it was going to be just generic thing. And then the second that happened, they just changed the character skins. And that was it. Well, I, we won't know until it comes out and people play it. It's possible you're right. Even if you are right, I don't know that I'm going to give them that hard a time about it. I really don't. Like you said, it would be good if they did a better and more thorough job with it. But I've seen we've, we've seen so much worse from yeah, I, I, IP. That's recently. what I was going to say. Like, we've seen so much worse in general like if you go and look at the steam store or the nintendo eShop, where there's indies abound there's a very low barrier to entry i think to getting your games listed on these platforms maybe not so much nintendo but definitely at least on steam and you sort by five dollar games and there is some veritable trash and i know every you know entry into art has merit in some degree but like let's be real there are some five dollar games out there that you're just like what the hell like why does this exist how did it happen yeah how did this happen like you could do worse yeah for now we can leave it at that as, and, and as much as i would like to hear tactic yell at clouds a little bit more we can move on try to make him happier or make him more upset i don't actually know because this, this was the topic that he chose i have to be honest and i've been you know admittedly i've been out of the xbox ecosystem for a while but what i will say is that when i was in the xbox ecosystem you know what the last thing i g- gave a rat's patootie about was achievements really I could yeah that's no you're wrong <laughs> i could care so less rough. So like, when you're playing, I, I, I think this is a, a broader conversation about achievements and trophies as a whole. So like now that you're in like the PlayStation ecosystem, do you care about trophies even, or are they just like no. things that pop and you just don't give a shit? Things pop and they're like, you did this thing, and I'm like, I wasn't really trying to, but thanks. I I literally I could give a damn. Like I suppose if I liked a game a lot and I wanted to like hundred percent it, but even then, like I don't care about the trophy. I just want to do it to because of the game. Like when I. <laughs> I believe I did wind up 100%ing Spider-Man. When I did that, it wasn't to get the virtual trophy. It was just because I liked the game and I liked what I was getting out of it. And I was like, I'm going to milk every last ounce of this game that I can. I do think I'm on the outside. I'm an outsider in this respect. I think people seem to really care about achievements, but I I do not. So I'm somewhere in the middle. When I, there was this, is, so 20-year-old Tectic was basically a pure 
Xbox player. That was kind of where where he dedicated his time. So like seeing his gamer score relative to his friends' gamer scores, well, that was it was like a sense of pride where you ranked. It wasn't until I started dating Nerd Bomber where I had to just say I don't care about achievements anymore because she is an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. And so that kind of as I got older, I just said I'm just going to enjoy the games and not worry so much about the gamer scores. <laughs> See, it's weird. Yeah, I want to psychoanalyze this. I'm sorry, but like having a higher gamer score than your friends. It's a dick measuring contest. Does it make you feel like you are a better gamer, a better person? Smaller people. Better in general? Like I don't. Smaller score. I don't get that. It's proportional. I I don't even know if it's a reasonable metric for how good of a gamer someone is. I would say it probably isn't. So at that point, what's it for? The the gamer score to me just indicates how many games you've played, period. Because like I don't think I've ever 100%ed a game. Maybe like the Walking Dead games, because those are like telltale story-driven games, more easy to do. For me, I never really cared about achievements or gamer score until I started, ironically, dating Tectic, who is very obsessed with completing all of the different achievements. And to me, I find them... And so like, she casually just rolled in with the super high score. Get out of here. No. So for me, I get enjoyment from gaming and playing through stories, finishing stories. I don't even really look at achievements as they pop. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's exciting. Look, I did something. But I am never one person who or I'm never going to be the person who grinds a game because there's an achievement to like 100% it. I don't have that. Yeah. In me. I get bored too quickly. So when we play split screens co-op, can I be first player then from now on to make sure that I get we've already established this. And so where he's getting this from is she's usually first player. There was a point in time, especially on Xbox, in like the early Xbox One era, where if you played a split screen game, they had some bugs where only the first player, the player on the left, would get the achievement. So if you were playing like a campaign together, only the first player would get that achievement to pop. And for me, it had nothing to do with necessarily getting the achievement, but I usually bought the game at the time. So I was like, well, I want to be first player because I bought this game. First would pop and I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? So for him, it was like, oh, well, you just want the achievement. And I'm like, well, no, I just want it to be first player because then the save game is connected to my profile and I want to be driving the bus. And so I think that is where his mentality of, oh, she cares about achievements. But I mean, there is some satisfaction. I will say now that Xbox has linked achievements in part to their like microsoft reward system and like game pass rewards i will say like i do there have been moments where i will hunt down an achievement because i need to like complete a punch card to get like a two dollar reward so in that aspect i might like pop onto an easy game to just finish an achievement so that i can get that and like there is some value there but like the achievement itself like on playstation I could give a rat's patootie. Like the only thing that I look at achievements for or trophies, sorry, on PlayStation 4 is like, am I progressing in the game? Like how many achievements, like especially the hidden ones. I'm like, okay, so like sure. how far in the story am I? Here are all the hidden like seemingly story achievements. Like how far along am I? I use that as like a benchmark. I am glad you you brought up PlayStation and not giving a rat's patootie because specifically what this article is saying is that Xbox is revamping their achievement system to include things like platinum rewards and like basically what PlayStation has, but also add progress on, on, on achievements and things like that. Something that's been missing, right? Sometimes you, you won't have any idea of how many, how far along you are in your achievements. You'll just, all of a sudden it'll just pop. They Which do PlayStation have... also, PlayStation trophies, I believe do report your progress towards trophies. So it's, there's, something that it's hit or miss with Xbox. Yeah, Xbox some have it, some, some don't. have them, some don't. And it's very challenging to like, I, I guess some games aren't like releasing that metadata, but like it's got to be tracking somewhere or else you would get the achievement. And so to like normalize it from a progress standpoint is perfect. To make the gold, silver, platinum thing, I think that's dumb. I think that's, that is why I don't really care as much as PlayStation is because it's not a tangible like this many points. It's just gold, silver, platinum. And so I really like what Xbox has done where it's like you get this many points for this achievement and also, hey, this is a rare one. Here's a little diamond icon. That makes me feel really good about myself. Well, it's like, hey, we've we've surveyed how many people are getting this and like you're amazing because no one else is getting this. You rule. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank you for finally saying it, Xbox. I agree. What I would anticipate 
and for what it's worth, I definitely agree that like Nerbomber at one point you said that like it's because you play a lot of games. I, I, I think that the gamer score in particular is probably a status symbol simply in the sense of the more games you play. Because like how many times are you, do you go to start a game and just by like starting the game, they're like achievement unlocked. You started the game. Here's some amount of points. Like I'm sure it's not many points, but I think there is an argument to be made that like it may be more of a volume indicator than anything else. And, and like, yeah, to some gamers, that is a status symbol of like, I've been around the block many, many times. I think that what I would anticipate, and again, I have no horse in this race because I'm not in the Xbox ecosystem anymore, but what I would anticipate, and I imagine what I myself would get out of this, if anything, is that the close ties to Game Pass system will either remain or intensify. Because at this point, Microsoft's whole game and what it should be is for more people to get Game Pass. And that would just be another reason to do so. You you know, achievement unlocked. Hey, if you had Game Pass, you would have just won two dollars for whatever you said, or bomber. Like I expect them to really start harping on that more so than they already are, if they already are. Otherwise, I again, I don't really have a strong opinion on anything they've said that they're going to do. What I think would really because to your point of people enjoy being the status symbol of look, I've been around the block. What I would really like to see is, and and we've interviewed. Uh, this team on on the podcast before is the creators of Good Game. They gave us a platform that you take all the games that you've ever played ever and you can get achievements and points that way. I'd really like that to happen where it's like Microsoft's like, hey, these are all the Xbox games, but also, hey, you can load in your other stuff and you can we can build a whole profile for you. That's Which will never what, happen because they be, only care about that Microsoft would just games. be the bee's knees, you know? Because, like, I've been around the block, but not necessarily on Xbox alone. I've just been, I am just a just a dirty, dirty gamer. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, my, Microsoft wants you to feel punished by that. They want they want you to look at your gamer score and be like, why is this so low? Oh, I haven't played enough Xbox games. I'm going to play more Xbox games. Like, to people where this, this score is important to them, that's their entire goal. It's just make people want to play more games and, and invest in Game Pass. So yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't have much of a horse in this race, if only because I don't have an Xbox and also because I don't really care about achievements or trophies. The only time I even see trophies is when I go to turn my PlayStation off and like you hit this, you hit the button to like go to go to put it in rest mode and it's like, oh, but here's like this I trophy said, you won. I think that's mainly because there's no value of the trophies in PlayStation. It's just a count and it doesn't, it doesn't feel as good. So I think there's something to be said about that. I think too that if I was a, I am a terminally single player gamer. So like... That's another reason for me to just not care. Like, I think I'm probably friends with you guys on PlayStation, but I don't even know that I am because I don't, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I haven't played an online multiplayer game in I don't know how long, and there's really no end in sight to that trend. So I'm existing in a vacuum. So I, I'm not even, I'm not ever inclined, nor do I get the opportunity to compare any sort of metric with anybody else. So that's probably another reason that I could just really take it or leave it. But yeah, so purportedly coming this year, there's really no, rollout timing specified by this article but uh you know 2024 prepare for perhaps more platinum stuff or game more gamer pass interaction you know game pass interaction i should say and uh stuff like that okay well that brings us to the midpoint of the episode so we're going to take a short break and come back to talk about the mandalorian but before we do that it's 2024 another year with our fantastic patreon producer mr stephen keller stephen joined us recently on the show that was one of the benefits he reaped as part of his night level subscribership on our patreon that is the highest of our three levels of patreon support as a knight stephen of course gets input into the weekly game segment which tactic will be hosting later clean slate uh, everyone's at zero and zero for 2024 starting later he also of course gets input uh, he gets the producer shout out every episode he gets the occasional guest spot on the show and of course access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog as a squire level which is our second level of support you get our uh, access to our monthly secret segment and vlog and the page level gets access to the monthly secret segment so the details on all of those levels of support can be found over at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast head over there check us out uh, say hi to Steven, say hi to us. Consider giving back to this show and uh, keeping us chugging through 2024. We'll take a short break now. Thanks again to Steven. We will come back to talk about The Mandalorian. I'm Harrison. I'm Jordan. Well, I'm Harrison. I'm fucking Jordan. All right! And we're, we're the, the Grief Rio podcast. podcast. Let us be your unnatural Sherpa guides on this existential plane of mountainous game and movie exploration. And don't forget about that spookiness that lives within us all. But mainly in you, you spooky bitch. How dare you offend 
confirmed it. We've been voted the best podcast to listen to by many. By many? That means a few. That's more than one. Results may vary. We'll see you on the next episode of Grief Burrito. Yeah! Yeah! All right, welcome back. We are going to talk a little bit about The Mandalorian. Now, I think it was like a year ago, two years ago. At some point, a topic came across our desk that was like, hey, look at this footage for this Mandalorian video game. And we were like, wow. And then like, I think that just died. I don't know what wound up happening to it, but we certainly haven't seen that since. I honestly forgot that even existed. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. I don't know if it was the thing we're talking about here, but long story short... ID Software, best known for the Doom and Quake franchises, is reportedly working on a Star Wars licensed game exclusive to the Xbox. And it seems like there's a lot of information to suggest that it's going to be focused on the Mandalorian, which makes sense, right? I mean, let's just, you know, we don't have basically any other detail. This is essentially a leak. Says that developers could be targeting a 2024 or 2025 release. I would certainly think it would be the latter because we haven't heard a single thing about this. Based on the pedigree of the developers, like I think this is a good fit if it's going to be a fast paced shooter, which the fact that Mando has jetpacks leads me to believe and like is primarily a shooter. I feel like that's a good fit for this. The idea is a no brainer. I'm sure we said the exact same thing when the other Mando footage leaked. It's amazing it hasn't really happened yet. Now, I will say, and I'm sure I brought up before, that like Star Wars Bounty Hunter is a game from what I would consider to be the golden age of Star Wars video games, which was like back in the GameCube era. And it's one of the best games ever. If you ever get an opportunity to play it by emulation or whatever, looking at you tactic, I would say go ahead and do it because it's really fantastic. In a lot of ways, it's what I can imagine the Mandalorian kind of being. Uh, I would think in today's day and age, it would lean a lot more into the multiplayer shooter aspect than Bounty Hunter did, because I don't think Bounty Hunter even had a multiplayer shooter mode, but it's a no-brainer. And I would also say, like, the main thing that I would want, and the main thing that I would hope that they would do, is not involve Baby Yoda at all. I, you know, when they say Mandalorian game, I don't know if they mean a game about the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, or just a Mandalorian. I would hope it's the latter, but I don't know for sure. There's 100% gonna be Baby Yoda in this in this game. Like, there has to be, for the same reason that you guys are like, oh, no, I get why well, Steamboat Willie's in there. there. There has to, like, Baby Yoda that, puts asses in the seat. But, like, that said, we have been clamoring for a good Star Wars shooting game for quite some time. And what we got over the years, we got some, but they, they just, they weren't, they were really just kind of multiplayer online and, like, they didn't really hit from a good story. That's what what we need here, and that's what's going to be most important, is this needs to be solo, story, pull-on-your-heartstrings, gameplay. That is it. Well, so the other thing I would say, too, is that I think before this game comes out, we are going to get that from Star Wars Outlaws, lest we forget that it's supposed to come out, I believe, later this year. And I think, if anything, that is going to be the more story-driven single-player experience that I would want from a game like The Mandalorian. Like I said, I think The Mandalorian game is probably going to lean more into multiplayer. And I don't I don't begrudge it that opportunity. I don't know if that's the case, though, because ID, if you look at, like, Doom is... There are multiplayer aspects in Doom. And I guess, okay, Quake was a multiplayer game as well. Quake is, but like, multiplayer only. <laughs> the, I don't... the Doom franchise, the reboot, the bulk of that game and what was super successful about doom and what was doom eternal eternal yeah both of those lived and died on their single player campaign like the multiplayer was fun don't get me wrong but what i took away from both of those games was how incredible the single player experience was so i wouldn't doubt like do you remember in like the ps3 slash xbox 360 era there were a bunch of games that were single player games and then had like sideloaded multiplayer experiences that weren't the bulk of the game. But like once you finish the single player experience, you could go and like pew pew somewhere with people online. I feel like yeah. that would be the appropriate thing to do with this game. Like make a really stellar single player experience. Sure. Slap some multiplayer shooting on as like a side part of the game, but focus on single player. That's what I want. I really hope they don't really lean into the multiplayer for this one counterpoint money but i think all of these like games as a services like a lot of them are flopping or at least not being financially huge like studios are hoping they will be here's my thing is like obviously one of the main ways multiplayer forward games make money is microtransactions and microtransactions tend to be cosmetic 
do you know how many bells and whistles you can put on a Mandalorian suit of armor? It's like a billion. Like, well, yeah, you part got of me the, thinks these, that... But that, that's, that's wrong. Because if you follow the lore of the Mandalorian, a lot of, like, the the types of armor and things like that were earned from missions. Okay, they were, they were from some kind of trials that they went through, and they got this piece of armor or this stamp put on their armor or, or whatever. And to go, you, good job, you have earned this because three ninety nine is dumb. <laughs> I don't want to be, come across as completely jaded by the capitalist video game system, but I'm oh, sorry, they just don't care about that. There's no chance that they care about that at all. I disagree, because, like, Halo is a good example of various skins and things that you earned from achieving things. Yeah, and, Halo also... And honestly, Halo Combat would probably work pretty well with this. I think I also think that Halo was a lot more successful than it currently is back before microtransactions were a thing. I don't know. We should set up... We should make a bet on this or something. And, like, I guess I don't know what the specifics and particulars would be but like i sus- i suspect it's going to be a multiplayer forward experience no it's going to be littered with micro microtransactions no they'll literally right, let's, destroy let's bet. the game let's bet a cuban sandwich it's a very good bet i, I appreciate the, the stakes uh you're on i'm gonna leave it to you to write it down and like keep track of it but i, I stand by my opinion we'll see we have no no other information like i said this is basically a week no idea on release date seems like 2024 2025 hopefully it's better than battlefront 2 I think we can all agree on that. Uh, as someone who played through the entire Battlefront 2 campaign, especially, I think we can agree on that. That brings us to what are you up to Wednesday? This is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been up to. And we've had a, a bit of a break here. So especially considering that I haven't been working because it's been that time of year. I got a lot to update on. I'm going to turn it over to someone else first. So I'm going to turn it over to Nerd Bomber to start us off. I assume we're all probably in similar boats. But uh, Nerd Bomber, take it away. The floor is yours. All right. So I've read a lot of like christmas rom-com books Uh, honestly like this is gonna sound terrible many of them are not super noticeable notable i mean it's i was looking for very easy christmassy type reads that were on like kindle unlimited and so i sprinted through through a bunch of those they were great very seasonal you know we also watched a bunch of christmas rom-coms and i get it Christmas was last week, but the week between Christmas and New Year's, like, that is what you do. So we watched About Fate. That was actually more of a New Year's sort of holiday movie. And it's got Emma Roberts, Julia Roberts' niece, Emma Roberts, and some other guy whose name I don't know. I'm bringing endorsement here, but this has been on Prime for, like, the last year or so. And the idea is that, you know, there's happenstances where these people who are in relationships with other people end up bumping into each other and then there's a mix-up where they end up helping each other out and going to a wedding together on new year's eve and it's just like a very light and airy rom-com it was fine i wouldn't necessarily call it the greatest movie out there wasn't the worst in terms of production value it was fine it was standard meet someone else while you're out and about and leave your whole life behind rom-com trope And then literally within the same night, we watched a movie with a similar trope with Zoe Deutsch called Something at Tiffany's. Um, And again, in relationships with other people, and then they end up coming together because of crazy fate and happenstance. And it was another cute rom-com. That one I actually liked a little bit better. I thought it had higher production value and just seemed a little bit more, less cringy, I guess. Less cringy is the right word. Like, they actually seemed like real people with real lives, real problems. The relationships that they were in dissolved for, like, real reasons and not just like, oh, my God, I met this person and now I love them. So I'm going to blow up my whole life. Like, it made a little bit more sense and it was enjoyable. And then I've also been, you know, swinging my way through Spider-Man 2. I think I'm about 70% done with the game. I do. The way that I play Spider-Man is anytime a side mission comes up and there's a dot on my map. I have to go and clear them out before I play the next story. Yeah, like I have to, I have to do it. So I've played pretty much most of the side missions that have been available to me at this point. I think there's like one thing that I'm waiting on, like one side story that I'm waiting on to finish out, but I'm swinging my way through that story, pun intended. And it's pretty good. There are a lot of twisty turnies, as Tectic told me. The gameplay is still very tight. I do like there are more skills and abilities for the characters. Like, they continue to develop new skills. I'm sure if you remember, 
I don't know if Spider-Man 1 had these so much, but at least in Miles Morales, like he had the electric abilities. And, you know, as you work through the game, he continues to develop his electrical abilities. There's more gadgets that you can use. And it's neat. I think my only... The only thing that I'm not really hitting, like I did with the first couple games, is like the suits. Like I found a suit for each character, and then I'm looking through the rest of them. I'm just like, okay. Oh yeah, once you find your suit, there's there's no changing after that. And I remember, yeah, I think I th- that was my experience with the first game too. I think I found a suit I liked, and then I would get new ones, and I'd be like, I don't want that. My suit rules. And like in the first game, and this is probably my only critique in the first game. They incentivized you to unlock new suits because there were powers attributed to that suit. And then once you unlocked it, you could like go back to a different suit design, but keep that power. Whereas in this game, it's literally just cosmetic. There's no reason to get the suit. So I'm like, well, why would I do that then? I prefer that. Honestly, I just you get the suits so that you can, you know, get your achievements. Wink, wink, shove, shove. But like we just discussed, I don't necessarily care about that. So now I'm like, I have no reason to unlock any of these suits. Which means that I have a bunch of like city tokens and like things that I've collected around the town that don't mean anything to me. But the game, I just, I just the unlock game. them to unlock them. I don't even, I don't even put them on. I would just, I'd be like, I yeah. got that one unlocked. I have the option. You know, that's the game what I'll does... do at the end of the game. I'm right. sure I'll just go through and like rip through them and unlock them all. But like, I do. There was something to be said about having a reason to unlock them rather than just like a cosmetic thing. You want to feel more drawn to actually doing so rather than just yeah. waiting until the end and having a spending spree but other than that that's really my only critique of the game i think there's a lot of improvements the web wings i wasn't sold on at first but then oh, the web wings are great it you do move faster through the map and even like the fast travel so in the first few games you remember you had like the subway scene when you fast traveled so it really like you didn't want to fast travel and this is probably a result of having the ssd and the ps5 but if you fast travel in spider-man 2 there's no cut scene. You just swing into the, whatever section you fast traveled into. And so I'm not as averse to doing so instead of swinging through the whole map, which is cool. Yeah, I'll be curious when I play this game like seven or eight months down the road from now. <laughs> I'll be curious to see how it goes for me. I, I assume I'm going to like it a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds so that's good. my that's my what are you up to? Okay, I'll take the I'll take the baton from you. I've read a few books. I've been doing a lot of reading. I read I've received a book as a Christmas gift called Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Uh, if you don't know who, who Hercule Poirot is, he's like Agatha Christie's most famous detective. So it's a Christmas theme murder mystery. Blew through that in a couple days. And then I received another gift as a, a, another book as a gift called The Twist of the Knife. Or actually, I think it's A Twist of the Knife, which is the latest in the Hawthorne Investigates series of books by Anthony Horowitz, which I've talked about on this show before. They are fantastic. I read the latest one in like two days or like a a day and a half. I could not put it down. So recommend that series. Continue to recommend that series to any who are interested in murder mysteries. Aside from that, I also want to shout out a couple of movies. I'm still playing God of War. I'm not really going to get into that. Pretty much the same. I love it. It's great. It's just taking a while. But a couple of movies I watched. uh, I watched May, December, which is a movie on Netflix. It is not a pure retelling of the Mary Kay Letourneau, I guess, incident. Um, for those who don't know what that is, just like look it up on Wikipedia. But it's a it's essentially a story that is loosely based on those events starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. It's nominated for, I think, a few Golden Globes. I will say it's nominated in like the comedy category and there is it's maybe the least comedic movie I've ever seen. So I don't really understand that too much, but it was very entertaining. Not exactly an upper of a watch. Similarly, also watched a movie on Netflix called Leave the World Behind, which stars Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali. It is about the world ending. Well, it's a okay. It's about the world coming close to ending. Basically, how a dystopian future would start. Let me put it that way. Again, not an upper. Again, very, very satisfying watch. Very well produced would recommend it also ethan hawk is in it i didn't mention him but the cast is fantastic it's well written um just not really an upper so yeah that's it otherwise kind of just been going through christmas festivities uh receiving a bunch of gifts that i'm excited to use i got a new kindle so that's very exciting for me Ooh. i think it's going to be the year of like me reading like 50 books but we'll we'll see how that goes i don't want to i don't want to bite off more than i can chew and i haven't like set a resolution to like read 30 books i'm just gonna like read however many i read but also, if you don't already, if you have a library card, download yeah, the Libby app. The, I already have the Libby app. Shout okay, out to good. the Libby app. I think I have like five or six books in my queue. I don't put holds on things. 
I just like leave things in there and then when I need a book to read, I'll go and look and see what's available. Cause like there's a couple books I have in there that like no one's good. They're not trendy books. No one's going to check them out, but it's a fantastic app. I recommend it. Yeah, that's it for me. I'll, I'll turn it over to Tech to finish this out and take us into the quiz. Okay. So I want to talk about two things, mainly Christmas presents that I got this year that I was just really excited before and really enjoyed playing. And the first one is we got a Tetris board game and it's a kind of a real quick rounds. There's every player gets this matrix grid, which is your, your Tetris feed. Basically it's this like plastic vertical board. And every turn you flip a card and it shows you what the card is that you have to, what the piece you have to drop in and what the next one coming is standard Tetris. So you're all filling out your board simultaneously trying to get rows as in normal Tetris, but also trying to achieve random challenges, which are like bonus points on the side. And so the rounds go very quick and you're, you're trying to kind of do multiple things at once in parallel, always adjusting to what the next card is and filling out the board. Nerd Bomber is terrible at this. I went three and oh against Jeez. her. To be fair, it was like 11 at night and there were challenges that I was focusing on more than like filling out rows. Yeah, so, and that that's just the point. If you focus on just the challenge, you're missing out on the rows. If you focus on just the rows, you're missing out on the challenges. And so you have to be very cognizant of all of these parallel things to be successful like me. So that was a ball. I really enjoyed winning at that game. And then the other thing is Nerd Bomber got me a bunch of games for my N64. So I was able to play Mario Party, Gauntlet Legends, and Zelda Majora's Mask are all ready to go. So pretty excited about that. Cheers, man. Yeah. And happy holidays to all, obviously. Hope you're all hope y'all are enjoying, you know, the season and also hopefully getting a couple of nice gifts and give you something to look forward to in the new year. Tactic, you're driving the bus today for the quiz, which means you are going to remain zero and zero. The scores have been reset. Nerd Bomber zero and zero, myself zero and zero, Steven zero and zero. So it's a clean slate. Obviously, I have uh, I have a lot to make up for, but it uh, it starts now. The dominance starts now. So, uh, Tectic, without further ado, uh, take it away. Okay, so the quiz topic is human aids. All things surrounding tools that were invented to aid humankind with various impairments. So, with the first question is, when were eyeglasses invented? So, we're okay. going to have Nerd Bomber go first because she won last week, last year. So when were eyeglasses invented? I feel like this was pretty early. I don't know. Like they didn't they have like spectacles back in like the day? Eyeglasses is what were. But what defines an eyeglass? Two lenses that you wear on your face. I'm gonna say eleven hundred eighty. Feels like a very specific number. I think you're real close. We're talking like Renaissance times. I'm gonna go earlier. I'm gonna say I'm not, we're not going back to, to G this times. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say 600 AD. Okay. So Nurbomber gets this one. She was actually very close. The earliest known record of eyeglasses is by an Italian friar where he referenced him having meet, met the inventor of the spectacles in 1287 AD. Oh, look at me go. Good start to the new year. I, you know, I thought about plus warning and I really should have done it, but that's fine. I'm going to save it. When was the first electronic hearing aid invented? Okay. Boy, I feel like I can back this out. I'm fairly certain we're in the 1900s here. I think we're in the 50s. I'm going to say 1952. I feel like it might have been before that. I don't know why. I'm going to say 1900. So you both busted. And really? Nerd, Nerd Bomber is going to be upset about this one. It's like 1899 or something. So while the first hearing aids were created in the 17th century, they had like ear trumpets and things like that. The movement toward modern hearing aids began with the creation of the telephone and the first electronic hearing aid was created in 1898. Damn. Boy, that's interesting. I, I, I stand corrected. I thought it would have been way later than that. Okay, fine. I'll take the no points. That means I'm still here. Okay. So in addition to various devices, there has also been other things that have been created around history when was sign language first established as a method of communication for those with hearing impairments again i want to say this is like fairly early i feel like sign language was a thing that existed for a while i'm gonna say the 13 1300 yeah i think we get into a i think we get into an issue here with recorded history because i imagine there being civilizations that used it 
before then, but it, it may not be known. I'm going to say, would you say 1300? Yes, I'm I did. Say 13, I'm going to say 1301. I'm going to use my plus one. So there is early evidence of sign language being used for ceremonies and trade communication amongst Native American communica- communities, but it was not due to hearing impairments. The earliest concrete reference to sign language is actually from a British wedding of a deaf man named Thomas Tilzai in 1575. <sighs> okay, sweet. That was a close one, but I used my plus one wisely. Okay, one, one. All right, so it's all tied up. When is the earliest evidence of prosthetics? Earliest evidence of prosthetics. Boy, again, I feel like this has to be very early. I have a thought. I have a thought. I'm going to go with 1865. I feel like that's way too late. Like, weren't pirates out here with peg legs? Like, does that count? Or is this like mechanical prosthetics? Technically, a peg leg is a prosthetic. Okay, I'm going to say the year one, the Big Bang. Like before human creation. Yes. Okay. I'm giving myself a wide window here. Okay, so you're not going to use your plus one. You're going to use your zero, 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 zero. Not even, not even Jesus, just zero. Yeah. Okay, it's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to bait you into using your plus one. I knew I was too late, but I was just trying to bait you into using your plus one and wasting it. You didn't take the bait, so good for you. No, I used my other phone offense yeah. line. Is it our lifeline? Is that what they called it? Prosthetics originate around ancient Egypt time frame, circa 3,000 bce okay so when you said one you were like you were trying to clarify okay did yeah you like one, <laughs> one the AD, big bang yeah. the she big meant like all oh, all the pre-jesus times way back okay well done that's two to one and there's one question left all right so the last question no more plus ones we're just straight up playing the game now the last question was when was braille invented oh, i'm glad i don't go first i'm gonna stick with what's working 1100 <sighs> it's a strong answer i do think it's later than that I'm going to give you some buffer, and I'm going to say 1500. All right, so we're all tied up. Louis Braille was a French educator who invented the tactile system of reading and writing for the blind and visually impaired in 1824. So we're in text-in territory. Good way to start the year. Okay, so the final text-in question is, when was robotic speech invented for paralyzed patients using their brain waves? Wow. Interesting. Okay, my answer is in. So Nerd Bomber guessed 1995 and oh, illegal, wow. illegal guessed 1996. Oh, damn. <laughs> the correct answer, so basically Nerd Bomber would have had to nail it, is 2007. Whew. So computational neuroscientist Frank Gunther of Boston University developed the first speech BCI way back in 2007. So it well, takes it home. Starting off the new year, the correct way... Very exciting for me. New Year, new me, etc., etc. Nerd Bomber, well played. Sorry, I plus one to you inadvertently, but that's that. You know, that's how the cookie like crumbles. That. So I'll be hosting the quiz next week. In the meantime, we thank you all for joining us. Feel, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hit us up on our Twitter accounts at owlegality six is me. We also have at ownerdbomber at owtactic in our main show account at online warriors one. You can also head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Say hi to us there. Consider giving back to the show. We'll see you all next week. And in the meantime, stay safe. Keep on podcasting.